Today's Plugged In podcast is sponsored by Volvo Cars Canada. The Volvo XC40 Recharge is Volvo's first pure electric SUV. It's a powerful drive with no tailpipe emissions featuring more than 400 horsepower and up to 335 kilometers on a single charge. And the integrated Google OS will always keep you fully connected, even without your phone. It truly is an SUV designed for the city and the rest of the planet. Visit volvocars.ca to learn more. Welcome to the latest episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. One of the many things I've learned in my decade of covering the emerging electric vehicle segment is that much of the criticism surrounding EVs isn't what they can do, it's what they can't do. And really, the only thing they can't do is take you on a long driving trip without requiring you to stop and charge up. In the early days of EVs, that meant a lengthy stop of a few hours, at least, to recharge the batteries. Today, at one of the DC fast charging stations, that stop can now be less than an hour, and in some cases just 20 minutes to replenish up to 80% of the battery pack. Still not as quick as filling up with gas at the pump, but not too bad. My guest today knows all too well what long-distance travel in an EV is like, and he's logged many kilometers around British Columbia in short-range and long-range EVs. Michael Stanier is a program coordinator at the Fraser Basin Council and primarily works on the Emotive Electric Vehicle Outreach Program. In his bio, the Vancouverite says he strives to help BC drivers switch to electric by sharing his experiences and collecting stories from other EV drivers all over the province. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's start out with the first EV you ever drove and your impressions of it at the time. Oh my gosh. Well, I was spoiled because my first EV was a Tesla Model S. And uh, I mean, I spent most of my adult life working on cars and modifying cars. And uh, when I drove the Model S, I just said, you know, uh, this is the way driving should be. You know, it's just so smooth. It felt so natural. Uh, I thought I'd miss things like, shifting gears and all that fun stuff but i was like no this is just really the way driving ought to be so i was very spoiled and uh i'm probably going to be um you know (laughs) striving to own that car for the rest of my life so what when was that and what were the circumstances of you getting some seat time in it that was uh in i think was 2017 and um you know, I was I was really interested in electric vehicles. I had been volunteering with some emotive events, and uh, I just got the opportunity to um, go to one of the showrooms uh, in Vancouver and uh, have a test drive. And changed your life, as they say. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really confirmed something that I had been leaning towards at the time. But yeah, it was amazing. In the introduction, I mentioned you work on the Emotive Electric Vehicle Outreach Program at the Fraser Basin Council. Can you tell us what that program's all about? You know, Emotive is one of the, the suite of programs under the province's uh, Clean BC Go Electric program. So uh, the province funds it and uh, we administer it. Uh, really, it is a campaign to raise awareness of electric vehicles in BC and to help people experience EVs. 
So we have a network of volunteers and we work with vehicle manufacturers. And normally what we do is we hold test drive events so that people can have tangible experiences with the cars and test them out and also connect with uh, EV drivers in their communities. Um, of course, through 2020, uh, we haven't been doing those um, you know, physical hands-on events. Uh, so we've been doing a lot more digital material, doing, um, doing videos that answer frequently asked questions, but uh, something that I'm really excited about and that, that's picking up speed more is I have a series of just sort of small owner vignettes called Live Electric Stories. And, uh, and those are on the emotive site. And it's really trying to um, be the counterpart to what we would normally do at events and connecting people uh, with EV owners in their communities. You and I are very close to EVs. We kind of know so much about them. We're, we're passionate about them. And I wonder, you know, it must be kind of intriguing to see people when they first come and drive one or sit in one for the very first time. And I wonder in the last few years since they become they, they are becoming more common, I guess, Vancouver in particular. There's lots around. People are probably getting drives and their friends. I'm wondering if the experience is changing for people almost. They're almost approaching it more not as a gee whiz thing, but almost as a serious consumer when they're looking at when they're going through the program. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, the past two years, the change has been phenomenal. Um, we spend very little time trying to... Uh, explain the viability of electric cars and our conversations are more about just the specifics of ownership um, or they're just conversations about how someone has uh, you know driven in a friend's electric vehicle and they just want to you know come to event and have some more variety to test out things that they haven't driven yet or maybe even they already own an electric vehicle and uh, they're coming out to something like say the Vancouver International Auto Show and they're saying, you know, yeah, I, I, I know the basics. I just want to drive all these interesting new cars. So, uh, yeah, the conversation has has changed substantially, um, especially in the last couple of years. And, and I think probably given the the I won't say the flood of vehicles, but there are more than a handful of new 2021s and 2022s coming. Um, long expected, perhaps a little delayed due to the pandemic. But it seems like we're going to have a lot more vehicles across a lot more brands um, this time next year, for example, that the the opportunity for these people to really buy one of these is going to be a lot more real than it is now. Yeah, absolutely. And I reflect on that often because we had to skip the 2020 event season um, and so many new cars have come out, uh, uh, both in 2020 and stuff that's coming out, um, you know, over the next few months. Uh, you know, it's going to be really exciting. It's going to be uh, basically a, a whole new roster of vehicles at these events. And um, yeah, so much more variety. And, uh, you know, we are getting closer to to cost parity too. I see that projected as something that happens over the next few years. So yeah, the, the interest is is really tremendous. Is Is cost parity the biggest question mark for so many people? I mean, is that what's holding them back or is it range? Um, is it is it the ability to charge it? I mean, what it's difficult to rank. Everybody's a little different, I guess. But in your mind, I mean, or at least from your experience, what are you hearing from potential buyers that their biggest concern is? Yeah, cost seems to be uh, the biggest topic. Um, and that's supported by some research that was done recently. 
um, that most people just identify uh, cost as the thing that's that's holding them back. And, uh, you know, sometimes that is that, uh, you know, a new car is um, is just not in the budget for them or, you know, they they've just purchased something recently. So um, uh, it doesn't make sense financially to to go purchase another new car right away. It varies a bit throughout the province, of course. You know, there are parts of the province where charging infrastructure um, is not so visible and not so commonplace. So, you know, there's there's other conversations to be had about just, you know, what a charging station looks like, how to find them, uh, which is, of course, very, very easy using apps like PlugShare um, and, and how, how they work. But yeah, the majority of conversations now that, you know, where people express something that's holding them back is just, um, you know, the cost of buying a new vehicle. And clearly that underscores the importance of the uh, government rebate program to kind of sweeten the pot a little for people to take that step. Yeah, of course. And there's no coincidence that, uh, you know, the kind of change in the conversation and excitement around elect- electric vehicles came with, uh, um, you know, the federal incentive being uh, uh, being offered in, in 2019. So looking through your bio and um, hearing some stories about you anecdotally, uh, it's quite possible you have driven the most kilometers in electric vehicles anyone in the province with trips from Vancouver to Northern BC to Vancouver Island through the Kootenays. And what fascinated me is some of these trips you've done in short range EVs, you know, not the ones built like a Tesla with 500 kilometers of range. You've done it in vehicles with 200 kilometers of range. So that's an interesting experience, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's something that I really enjoy. You know, I I keep tabs, uh, you know, through the various electric vehicle communities in BC um, on the trips that people are doing. And uh, I can't say that that I'm, you know, uh, the guy that's driven the most kilometers. Uh, you know, there's there's people. Um, it's amazing, just people in in northern BC and uh, who are who are picking up electric vehicles and putting tremendous mileage on them. But, uh, but yeah, I think um, what I really enjoy sharing with people is these road trips that I've done and illustrating that, you know, they can be done uh, very easily with a car that, uh, you know, has a 200 kilometer rating. And, uh, you know, well, the Model S was the first electric vehicle I drove. The one that I most commonly drive is a Volkswagen e-Golf. Um, which has that uh, 200 kilometer uh, range rating, and uh, yeah, people need to understand that if you if you want to get a vehicle like that because it's less expensive um, than higher range vehicles, uh, that that range is of of course totally fine for most of your daily commuting, and if you're doing the occasional road trip in it, um, in most cases there's there's a charging station, like a fast charging station, every 60 to 100 kilometers. So there's no real range anxiety. Um, people are worried often about having to to charge uh, frequently on a trip like that, uh, which is the reality. Um, but you're just kind of trading that off against the, uh, I guess, the super low cost of doing that trip. And what I try to really impress upon people is that if you're in that situation, you're you're doing a trip with a low lower range EV, and you're charging often. Is that charging time is not driving time; it's downtime. And uh, you know, most of us 
are are realistically um, very able to fill, you know, 20 minutes at a time uh, catching up on emails or watching something on YouTube, uh, which is something that we normally do throughout the day anyways. So, um, you know, when I travel, uh, I do have to take a, a lot of stops if I'm using that vehicle, um, but they can be productive stops as well. I think, I think that's what it comes down to is it's, we're, you know, for the last hundred years, um, we've all, well, not all of us, but it's been that getting in your car and going on a trip doesn't involve planning so much. Gas stations are everywhere, you know, um, especially on a long route. So it'll, it'll show you how long it is to the next one. So it's, it's not even a concern. And when you do get there, it's four minutes to fill up and away you go again. So I think for a lot of people, that's the anxiety almost is even though on a map, you could look at it and logically say, yes, this is possible. You're, you're, it's the fear of the unknown of, getting there, plugging in and then, and then waiting. Right. And it's, we're always moving. We're always moving. And I think that's a real difficult thing for people to consciously break with is that kind of road trip mentality. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and that's totally understandable. And I know that, you know, what I describe, it's not necessarily going to be a, a great time for, for everyone, right? Like if you've got, uh, if you're traveling with kids or pets, then, that kind of vehicle choice and travel style probably isn't for you. It's going to become quite tiring. But for people, uh, you know, like me who are doing traveling, but often doing it alone or, um, you know, students who are, you know, traveling home uh, once every few months, something like that. Don't let that uh, maybe anxiety uh, or that change uh, be a barrier to at least having the conversation about electric vehicles, um, especially if you are looking at something that's less expensive and has a lower range. So, so one of the aspects of your job is sounds like a fun one, and I think you alluded to it with these these uh, stories you've been told is is collecting stories from other EV drivers from across the province. I guess that's in a sense to anecdotally share with other people the experience of these people. Um, is there a common theme with with them? I mean, are they all, obviously they're probably all very excited about driving EVs and great proponents of it, but I'm wondering if there's kind of like a common, at the end of the, at the end of the discussion, they all kind of conclude with the same kind of thing. What's really excited me about these stories is that they're, they're quite diverse and it's something that, uh, you know, I really try and do reaching out to people around the province to get those different experiences um, and different, uh, I guess, different vehicle types. Uh, definitely people are um, concerned about sustainability uh, and they're also making these choices in, in order to save operating costs. Something that uh, I wasn't expecting is this theme that, that comes up of people who have never bought a new vehicle in their life until they buy an electric vehicle. And uh, I just find that... Um, uh, you know, it, it was really surprising to to hear that uh, several times, um, you know, throughout the people that it, or throughout these stories. And uh, it seems that I think people who are concerned with sustainability and also concerned, you know, about costs tend to, you know, buy a used vehicle and and keep it, keep it well-maintained um, and maybe drive like a, a smaller vehicle or a used hybrid or something if they're concerned about sustainability, but then along come electric vehicle options and, um, and they decide to upgrade. 
Is there is there like a demographic shift? I mean, I know a lot of seniors that that you know when I run into them and meet them, they say the next vehicle they want to buy is an electric. I mean, for them, it just seems like an ideal kind of vehicle for the city running. And but then I guess young people are also intrigued. It's kind of like the the middle age that might be the toughest sell. Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know middle middle aged people, uh, you know, working families running the kids around. Um, they're they're probably going to be the ones who um, have the most going on and just learning about a, a new technology that affects something so fundamental in their lives as their daily transportation um, are probably you know going to be the ones who who kind of need the most outreach I guess right. or need right. someone like like me that they can email and talk to and just bounce some questions off of instead of having to maybe like dig through forums and, and Facebook groups. Yeah. And um, it almost seems like also the, 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 the product that's coming the down the pipeline is more geared towards that kind of demographic. You're getting the Nissan areas, the kind of middle midsize crossovers that are more family friendly, as opposed to, as you say, a VWE golf, which is a pretty small car. Um, and then, Likewise, the, the 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 super expensive stuff, the Porsche Taycans and the Model S's of the world. So we're we're starting to see the the inventory in the middle kind of fill in now, which I guess will hopefully appeal to those people. Yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, the vehicles themselves, from the conversations that I have, are are pretty a pretty simple idea. Um, it's really like the home charging setups and public charging. Um, questions that uh, are sort of the steepest learning curve um, because, you know, a lot of the terminology isn't super user-friendly too with CCS connections and Chatamo connections and, uh, you know, people being unclear as to whether they can use a different vehicle at a Tesla charging station or, um, you know, figuring out how they're going to charge at home. So a lot of the, those conversations where people are hesitant isn't really about the vehicle, but just trying to wrap their head around uh, charging. So price is obviously a, a, a point of concern for people. What what are the things driving people to these cars? I mean, obviously there's there's a sustainability aspect. There's a, uh, a, a cost in terms of savings, in terms of fuel, obviously. Where do, where do you see that? I mean, there's a status symbol, I think. You know, I think it's pretty well proven that the Teslas of the world are kind of like a a status symbol, much like a Mercedes or, or, or you know, a, a BMW is almost. So I'm wondering your research and your, and your input from people, where, what you think is the thing that the majority of people want an EV, what's driving them to buy one? What you touched on, I think, are the, the real big ideas, um, the sustainability part and also the cost of ownership piece. And then, you know, as people get a chance to drive them, whether it's riding with a friend or um, or even doing it through a car share or through a, a test drive event. I Like we can't understate the, uh, uh, or ignore the, I think just the driving experience. And what I always tell people is you don't necessarily notice a huge difference when you get into an electric vehicle and drive it around as opposed to a gas vehicle, um, except for maybe, you know, the, the sound and the regenerative braking. But when you get back into a gas vehicle, you tend to notice that gas vehicle a lot more. And so, yeah, there's that kind of that comfort uh, piece, having a vehicle that seems to be 
and yeah, like sort of an upper luxury kind of class, um, just because of how smooth and quiet it is. I think that's really appealing. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing I think that everybody who owns a plug-in hybrid gets to appreciate that in one vehicle. Cause when you're running along on battery power, it's great. And then suddenly, you know, the earth moves and your engine starts up and you're, you're aware of it again. And I think people say plugins are kind of a half step towards EVs. And I think that has a lot to do with it for people when they're running in full EV, they just think, wow, this is quiet and smooth. And I like this. So I think you're right. I think, as I've said before on the show, I've never really spoken with anybody who drove an EV and came away unimpressed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I want to get you out of here with one last question. It's one I ask a lot of guests and you're in a wonderful position to, uh, to address it. Um, in your mind, what will signal the EV adoption tipping point in Canada? Wow, that is that is a really good question. I think, I think that the, uh, I mean, I've, I've touched on the logistics of charging, and I think that uh, when we have, um, you know, bylaws uh, across the province uh, that require EV ready charging um, or EV ready parking spaces. Uh, that's going to be the tipping point, you know, when that's really common throughout the province. Um, because, you know, people are so interested in the vehicles. Uh, I think they really aspire to get the vehicles. Um, some of them have, you know, some uh, hesitancy to get one because of their home charging situation, especially if they're in a, a condo or apartment building. Um, to me, that is just the biggest piece of the puzzle. That's a good answer, Michael. And I think it's one for that question we've never had. So that's uh, it's a great original answer and I like it. Oh, thank um, you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. That's Michael Stanier of the Fraser Basin Council. As much as I find the technology surrounding the EV revolution fascinating, it's the stories from EV owners that really brings home the appeal of the electric vehicle to me. There's an almost pioneering adventurer aspect to it, and my guest today certainly relishes hearing those tales from the EV highway too. Like music, food, and travel, automobiles conjure up sentimental emotions, and we're seeing electric vehicles are no exception to that rule. That's it for this episode. Thanks to my guest, Michael Stanier, producer extraordinaire Darm McWana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin at postmedia.com. For your dose of all things automotive, be sure to check out driving.ca, where you'll find the best in breaking news, reviews, and videos. You'll also be able to access a new series of virtual auto events called Driving Into the Future, being held throughout March. By registering, you can listen and engage with a virtual panel of leading figures in the Canadian and global automotive and energy sectors. Visit events.driving.ca to sign up for free. And be sure to subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll also be able to listen to all the episodes from seasons one, two, and three.